Welcome to Thrive Church Online. I'm Rachel, your online host for today. A very special welcome to our first-time guests. If this is your first time tuning in, you are our VIP. Please text new to 604-285-5770 or visit myfly.info and we will mail you a Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. It's just a way for us to connect with you and to say thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us today. Parents, we also prepare some fun and interactive online lessons for your children. Simply visit myfly.info and click Thrive Kids. There'll be worship videos, a lesson video, some crafts or activity sheets for your kids. You'll also find all the information you need to join our Thrive Kids Zoom classes for kids aged 3 to 12 every Sunday from 10.45 to 11.15 a.m. With all that being said, the Sunday service today will be started shortly. I can't wait to have a powerful morning together with you all. And now I'm going to pass the time over to Pastor JB. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church. Whether you're visiting us on site or you're joining us online, it is so good to have you here. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I want to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church. If this is your first time here, you are what we call our VIP, and we especially want to welcome you. In fact, we've got a special gift to give to you. If you want to go to mythrive.info and touch the button that says new to Thrive, we'd love to send straight to your door your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle. Just a simple way to say thanks so much for joining us today. Can we give all of our VIPs a big hand, a big shout, let's play together right now. Whether you're joining us on site today, joining us online, whether you stumbled upon us online or a friend invited you, we're just so glad that you're here. And in fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you welcome one another to church today? In your chat rooms, if you're watching online, would you go and welcome one another in your chat rooms? Maybe you're sitting beside someone, you're watching the service together, would you give that person a hug, a high five, a handshake, you know, a fist bump, an air version of any of those, whatever you think is appropriate, let's welcome one another to church. Maybe you're visiting on site today. It's so good to have you here. And would you just turn around and find a bunch of people you haven't said hi to yet today, give them an air high five, an air hug, and just say, it's so good to have you here. You guys are an incredible church, and we are so glad to have each and every one of you here today. Before we get into the message today, which I'm super excited to give to you, let me tell you something that's happening very, very soon. On Sunday, August the 22nd, we have something called Baptism Sunday. Baptism Sunday is a chance for us to celebrate the way that God has been working in people's lives. And if you recently received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you maybe received Jesus at one of our services here at Thrive Church, or maybe you received Jesus a long, long time ago, but you never took that next step of being baptized, then guess what? Baptism is for you. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. Baptism is you simply saying, I need a savior. His name is Jesus. I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. I believe he did so, and I'm thankful. It's a way of honoring Jesus, saying, you know, it's not about me, but it's about what Jesus did on the cross for me. It's a way of thanking Jesus for what he's done. It's following in his example. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never gotten baptized before, but you received you receive Jesus as your Savior, then this next step is for you. We encourage you to go to mythrob.info and you can press the button that says baptism and that'll have all the information you need to know what it means to get baptized, how you get ready for it, how we want to help you do that safely on August the 22nd, which is a Sunday. And if you have any questions specifically that you want to ask, we actually have something very special going on after each of our services, both on-site and online. We've got a baptism Q&A happening after each of our services. And so if you're kind of like, you know what, should I do it? Should I not, I'm not sure I've got questions about this, you know, that I, I want to encourage you to check out one of our baptism Q&As happening after each of our services, both on-site or online. We'd love to see you there. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I can't wait for baptisms. 
Can't wait for baptisms. Have a number of people already signed up for baptisms and we can't wait. The next person just might be you. We'd love to see you there as well. Well, let's get into the message today. I'm super excited for today's message and how we get ready for the message here at Thrive Church. We'd like to grab our Bibles. If you have your Bibles right now, it's time to get that out. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. Maybe yours is a phone that you downloaded the Bible into. Either way is cool. This is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message. So why don't you hold up your Bible like so, like me, and why don't you, you know, point to the Bible somewhere near you if you didn't bring a Bible. And we're just going to make this proclamation together in faith. This is a fun way to get our hearts ready for the message today. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's Word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, by the way, if you are new to church, if you've never been to church before, if you're new to the Bible, you're new to Jesus, you're just kind of exploring, maybe you're coming in from another faith background or no background at all, I just want to say we are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you, a place where you can be yourself, a place where you can find some hope and some community, a place where you can even ask some of the questions that might be on your mind. And if we can be serving you in any way at all, you can always email us at info at thrivechurch.ca. We love to hear from you. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. Well, we're doing a series here at Thrive. It's called Rise Up and Wise Up. Everyone say, Rise Up and Wise Up. Rise Up and Wise Up. This series is all about how to find hope and wisdom through the powerful book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. And see, we've been learning about what wisdom is, how wisdom is not just about book smarts. It's not about academic transcripts. It's not being really learned in your own particular field or profession or area of study or work or in video games. It's, It's really about real life. It's about how you make decisions in the real world and being wise about it. It's about how you relate to other people. It's about you know, decisions you make to plan for your future. It's about how you manage conflicts, how you handle stress. It's about how you, you know, deal with some of the difficult emotions that we will feel from time to time as you go through life. It's all about wisdom. Would you turn to and say, I need wisdom. The fact is that no matter how old we get, no matter how far along the journey we go, we will never lose our need for wisdom. We all need wisdom. And let me just put it to you this way, is that you could have what many people call a good heart. In other words, you can have really good intentions. But if you don't have wisdom in how you express and execute those good intentions in your heart, guess what? You can actually do more harm than good. And see, for example, you know, two weeks ago, Pastor Tim, uh, he shared about you know, having a heart for the poor, how the book of Proverbs speaks to that, how we need to have a heart for the poor because God has a heart for the poor. And see, how many of you know that it takes wisdom to express a heart for the poor? Amen? So for example, I know one friend of mine, a good friend of mine, he has a dad, his dad, who uh, you know, is a very, he would call, my friend would call him, he's a very devout Christian. And, uh, and, and my friend, he's not a Christian. And, and, and this dad of his, uh, you know, one of the things that his, my friend will never forget is that when they were growing up, is that this dad, he had such a heart for the poor that he decided to do something that I think many of us would find very, very shocking. Is that he decided that so as to open up his home to anyone and everyone who wanted to come in, you know, people who don't have a place to stay, people who might be, you know, financially not well off, he decided he's going to take all the locks off of his doors, every single door. The front door therefore had no lock. The bathroom had no lock. His kids' rooms had no locks. His own master bedroom where he's sleeping with his wife has no lock on it. All because he says, I need to have a heart for the poor. And you know what? This freaked out his family so much and it stressed out his family so much that his wife ended up leaving him because he just refused to compromise. He's like, you know what? We need to have a heart for the poor and so this is what we're going to do. And he refused to listen to anybody else. And so his wife left him. His kids are like, you know what? I'm never going to become a Christian. And, and, and this is the thing is that, let, let me ask this question. Was this person a Christian? Yes, he's a Christian, right? Um, is he saved by his faith in Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross for him? Yes, he is. But was he wise? Well, at least in that area, not at all. Because this is the thing, you could have a really good heart, have really good intentions, but if you don't have wisdom in how you execute those intentions, how you express those intentions, you can actually do more harm than good. You can actually live very unwisely. If you believe that, say amen. 
And so it just goes to show, whether you're a Christian in this place or not, we all need wisdom. It's not enough just to have a good heart or good intentions. We need to be wise in the way we live life. And today I wanna unpack one verse from the book of Proverbs, because since the book of Proverbs is all about gaining wisdom, I wanna look just at, look at one verse today from the book of Proverbs that in my mind is actually one of the harder verses in the book of Proverbs to interpret, but it is so very important. Look at Proverbs 24, 27 with me right now. We're gonna unpack this together. What does it say? It says, finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. See, you know, sometimes when I, when I read scripture, I'm like, I need to read it a couple times to kind of get a sense of what it's talking about. Let's read it again. Finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. See, we've been learning how the book of Proverbs is full of these little two-line Proverbs, and it's a lot like a fortune cookie. I showed you a fortune cookie last time. Let me show you a fortune cookie again. Some of you are like, are we doing communion right now? No, we're not doing communion, not with a fortune cookie. But see, a, a fortune cookie is a lot like a proverb is that there's two pieces to it that you have to kind of break apart. You have to kind of unpack it and then it reveals a message inside. It says, you will have a close encounter of a serious kind. I don't know what that means, but anyways, that's okay. We're not gonna focus on fortune cookies. We're gonna focus on Proverbs. And see, here's the thing. Like a fortune cookie, Proverbs take time to digest. Like a fortune cookie, you need to unpack those two parts, those two lines, and ask me, what is the message that's inside of it that is here for me to learn? See, what's the message of Proverbs 24, verse 27? Saying, finish your outdoor work, get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Is it saying that, you know, we should prefer the outdoors over the indoors? Or like, you know, what, you know, or it's something where we should seek to be farmers before we're construction workers? Or, or should we go to the gardening section of Rona every time first? Uh, or at Home Depot, we always go to the gardening section first. What, what, what does this first have anything to do with us today? Let's talk about that today. You know, sometimes I find it helps to look at another version or another translation of the same verse. Let's look at the New Living Translation of Proverbs 24, 27. What does it say? It says, do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. See, what does this all mean? So you got to keep in mind that this is King Solomon collecting all these different Proverbs and giving them to the people of Israel that he's ruling over. And back then in ancient Israel, the economy was mainly an agrarian economy. In other words, most people were farmers back then. They were not maybe, if not full-time, they were part-time farmers who owned land, who owned fields, who worked on fields. And so much of their wealth was tied up in their fields, in their crops. And many of them, they would live in tents, even back then. They would live in tents. They'd be, man, I want to, I, I want to move out of my tent. I want to move to a, a house. Some of them, like, you know, I have a small house. Oh, I don't want, I don't want just a small house. I want to move to a bigger house. Oh, I don't just want to rent. I want to own. You know, it doesn't sound like, 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 like Vancouver as well. You know, we have people who might be tenting, people who might be renting. Oh, you know, I, I don't want to rent a smaller place. I want to rent a bigger place. Oh, I don't just want to rent anymore. I want to own. I don't just want to own this house. I want to own a bigger house. Look at my friends. They built their own house. I want to build my own house as well. And, and so this is a phenomenon that was back then happening in Solomon's time. It's a phenomenon that happens today. And see, what is this verse saying? The proverb, Proverbs 24, 27 is saying, before you try to build your house, which is a nice thing to have, make sure you look after your fields, i.e. your income your work, you know, what, what is coming in before what comes out. See, Proverbs 24, verse 27 says this, is basically saying, before you focus on the accessories, the things that are nice to have, you want to focus on the necessities. Amen. Is that before you think about doing all the fancy stuff, you want to get the basics down first. Before you try to do all these slam dunks, you want to learn to shoot a free throw. You know, before you go after, you know, one of those nice to have dreams, you want to make sure you can afford it first. And see, finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready is really talking about do a good job with what you already have and save the nice to have dreams for when you're ready for it. And see, this verse is advocating good planning. It's talking about counting the costs. It's not advocating faithlessness where, you know, some people I meet, especially some guys who are like in their thirties and, you know, sometimes they'll say, you know what, you know, before I even consider getting married, I need to have my own house. I need to have two cars. I need to have millions in the bank. And they're, they're, it's kind of like they have, they have to have everything completely in control and completely figured out before I even consider getting married. See, that's not what Proverbs is saying, but it's saying that it's important to plan. 
It's saying it's important to count the cost. It's saying if you want to be wise, you need to prioritize. And see, what can we learn from this? It's that wisdom is about having the right priorities. And the fact is, today's message is titled, How the Wise Prioritize. How the wise prioritize. If you want to gain wisdom for your life today, I hope you take some really good notes because I think this will be such an important message for many of us here today. What does it mean to prioritize? See, to simply define it today, let me say this. To prioritize means to arrange a bunch of things in your life in the order of importance is that it's arranged all the different affairs of your life in the order of their relative importance. Proverbs 24, 27 is saying that one of the foundational differences between a wise person and a foolish person is in the way they prioritize. See, wise people prioritize well. They look at a whole bunch of different options and consider all these different things that they might need to do and think, what's the most important thing? What's the thing that's going to count the most? What is the thing that I need to do most because I'm going to regret it if I don't do it? And and what are the things I can put off till later? The wise prioritize. The foolish also prioritize, but they do so in a different way. They might have, at least at the beginning, the same options in front of them, but then because their values are different, because they might be distracted easily, because they might get sidetracked by lesser things, they don't end up getting to the most important things until it's too late. It's because the way we prioritize speaks a lot about our character. And and see, prioritizing is an exercise in discerning what is best and most important. In fact, that's why Paul, who was writing to his church in in, in Philippi, he would say this in Philippians 1 verse 9 and 10. Read it with me. It says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. See, what is he saying? He's saying, hey guys, my prayer for all of you in this church that I started is saying, he's saying, Paul's saying to the people in Philippi, he's saying, I I pray for you. My prayer for you is that you would gain wisdom. You would gain knowledge. You'd gain depth of insight so that you may discern what is best for your life. Because wisdom is not just about discerning right from wrong. Wisdom is as much about discerning what is best over what is just good. Do you know that? Let me say that again. Wisdom is not just about discerning right from wrong. Sometimes that's the easy one. You know, it's a clear choice to make. It's clearly this is right, this is wrong. Sometimes it's the hard part is just doing it. But the harder part about wisdom sometimes is not choosing right from wrong. It's choosing what is best from what is just good. And have you ever been in that situation before where it wasn't a choice between right and wrong you had to make, but you had all these different options and these different options in front of you, each of them had their own attractive quality to it. Each of them had their pros and their cons. You're like, which one do I choose? Like, Like there's no obvious decision. There's no obvious choice here. Which one am I supposed to choose? Wisdom is about being able to look at the different options and say, okay, I think this one is the best. And see, if you've never made a decision like that before, you will soon. And maybe you're in that situation right now when it comes to your career, when it comes to your family life, when it comes to your future, when it comes to the way you're managing your time right now. If you want to be wise, you need to prioritize. And that's what we're learning about today. I want to end today by, teaching, by sharing with you three ways that the wise prioritize. And these are three ways that you can help yourself filter through some of your decision-making process, especially when you're trying to discern what is best amid a whole bunch of different options. And so if that's you in this place today, I hope you find this especially helpful today. Why don't you write this down? Three ways that the wise prioritize. Number one, prioritize what you can only do today over what you can always do later. Prioritize what you can only do today over what you can always do later. Let me ask you a question. It's kind of a personal question. How much do you make in a year? You don't have to tell me. You don't have to, I, I'm not asking you because I want you to tell me. But the reason I ask you is because in three of the four gospels, one of Jesus' female disciples, her name is Mary, she is shown doing something that is going to shock the men who are watching her. You know what she does? Is that just a few days before Jesus would be betrayed, arrested, and then crucified, Mary this female disciple of Jesus, she takes an alabaster jar of perfume from her home, which the Bible says is worth more than a year's wages, more than one person makes in a year. And she takes that alabaster jar and she does something shocking. She takes the jar to Jesus. And while Jesus is reclining at the table and eating, she takes this jar 
and she, she breaks the jar and then she pours the perfume on Jesus' head and then she pours some of the perfume on his feet and she starts to wipe his feet with her hair. And so people are like, what in the world are you doing? And, and, and you know, some of the disciples like, just could not believe what she was doing. Look at Mark 14, verse four. It says, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. But then look at Jesus' response. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. See what's going on is that Mary, she takes this hugely expensive bottle of perfume, this, this, this jar of perfume, she breaks it, pours it on Jesus. The disciples are like, what? What are you doing? What an incredible waste. You, that, was, you, that was worth like more money than I make in a year. And you just drained, you just poured it down the drain that way. You could have sold it and, and did some, done something with it. You could have given it to the Salvation Army. You could have given it to the food bank. You could have used to fight injustice. And instead you just poured it all out on Jesus that way. What an incredible waste. And then Jesus comes to her defense and says, you know, you guys don't understand. See, what she did for me was something incredibly beautiful. She was preparing me for my burial. And see, you guys will always have the poor with you. They'll always be with you, but you will not always have me, not this way. And wherever the gospel is preached, what Mary did is going to be talked about as well. And that's why we're talking about Mary today. See, Mary, what happened with Mary? Mary was wise because she understood that there are certain opportunities that you have in life that come in the current season that you will not have later on. And see, wisdom is about recognizing that there are certain opportunities that are here and only now and that you need to make the most of it while it's still here before it's too late. You know, when, when Charlene and I, my wife Charlene and I, when we were engaged to be married, we had our lives all planned out. And, you know, we, we said, you know what, you know, we're, we're in our early 20s and, you know, we're just going to live in Vancouver. We're going to live this comfortable life. I'm going to work as a lawyer. We're going to live in a nice home. We're going to have a couple kids. And then something happened that shocked us and changed our world. Is that just a month before we were about to get married, I lose my job. And it was a shocking thing. And we are now going into marriage. Neither one of us has jobs. We've got a mortgage to pay. I remember my dad saying to me, I really don't envy your position, son. I'm like, thank you, dad. Thank you very much. And see, here's the thing. Charlene thought, you know what? This is an opportunity, an option to finally leave this. I know I'm kidding. That, that, that's, that's not what she was thinking. She's thinking, this is an opportunity. And this is the thing. She thought to herself, you know, this is the most mobile we will ever be. This is the time when we don't have jobs tying us down. We don't have kids to take care of. I would love it if maybe somehow we could use this as an opportunity to do something we couldn't do before. Let's go live in another country. And see, Charlene, her family is in another part of the world. They're in Taiwan. And for much of her life, she had never had the chance to really spend quality time with them and spend extended time with them because it's always like an astronaut family, kind of two places at once. And so it was like one of those things where she we wanted to spend time with her family. It was a chance for me to learn Mandarin possibly. And so we decided, you know what? Because, you know, we will always have Vancouver down the road. We will, that, that's where we eventually want to be. We know that that's going to be happening down the road sometime. We, we think, we pray, we hope, we plan. But now is a special time. Now we've got an opportunity that we won't always have. Let's make the most of it. And so what we decided to do after praying about, after discussing it, we're like, you know what, let's do this. And we decided we went to, Ta to go to Taiwan. And there we spent not just a year, not just two years, we ended up spending four years there in a little kind of 200 square foot apartment. It was just like a tiny, tiny, tiny apartment. And, 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 but for four years, we would spend it there. And it was one of the best, most life-changing decisions we ever made. It was one of those things where if it weren't for that decision, we wouldn't have spent some really awesome, good quality time with Charlene and my family there where we could actually build a good foundation for the future. It was, if it weren't for that decision, I wouldn't be able to learn Mandarin. You know, if it weren't for that decision, we wouldn't have gotten connected to an awesome church where we could see just another side of how amazing church can be when it's done well. You know, it was because of that decision that we had even the opportunity to come back to Vancouver and be commissioned to plant Thrive Church today. So we wouldn't even have Thrive Church today 
today, at least not this way, if it weren't for that decision. And see, how did that decision come out? Well, we can say, oh, it's God's plan, it's God's sovereignty. Yes, that's all true. But it's also because we prioritized what we could only do today over what we had opportunities to do later on. It's because wisdom is about recognizing that there are certain opportunities that you have today that you might not have later, so you want to make the most of them. If you believe that, say amen. Here's a question for you today. What is one thing that's important that you can only do in this current season that you probably will not be able to do later? Or it'll be a lot harder to do later on. But now is like this prime season for that opportunity. See, to use Jesus' words, what is something that you will always have with you that you can do anytime you want versus what is something that you can only do which is right now? See, practically speaking, it's gonna look different for different people. The answer to that question, for some of you who are like workaholics, who are just kind of working, working, working to the bone, and you have the toughest time letting yourself rest, maybe the thing to do is to prioritize a day of rest. And finally say, you know what? I, I, instead of like working myself to bone every day, you know, you're going day after day after day of like burning out and getting crankier and crankier and more and more frustrated and not enjoying life and, and not being that effective, maybe what I should do is take the opportunity to take a time to rest. And that way I'll be more effective later on. For those of you who maybe have no problems with, you know, you know, being a workaholic, but your problem is procrastination. And you just have this way of putting things off until the very last minute. And there's important things that you keep putting off. Maybe the thing to do, the answer to your question today is you ought to prioritize doing what you need to do over the things that you could always do later on. See, at Thrive Church, for example, what we try to prioritize is, you know, meeting and, and welcoming people who are new here at Thrive. Last week, I was, I was kind of frustrated because there was a little gap in our, our, our system. Well, last week, we're right after one of our services on site. I had to go right away to, 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 to deal with this gap in the system. And I was like, as, as I'm dealing with the gap in the system, in my, in my mind, I'm kicking myself because I'm like, there are first time guests who are waiting outside that I didn't, I haven't had a chance to talk to. I want to talk to them because I don't know when I'm next going to talk to them. And, and I was like, oh my goodness. And it's because we want to prioritize what can we only do now that we might not be able to do later? And see, that, that's the thing. And I encourage you, it's not just you know, me and my heart that way, but I believe this is our, our heart at Thrive Church, that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so when you have the opportunity after service to, to, to you know, see people, go and see the people that you might not see again. Go and see the people that you've never seen before because you can always talk to those other people that you always see later on. Amen. Amen. That's called wisdom. That's called it was. Now, don't get me wrong. Does that mean that anytime you see a limited time opportunity only for today, that that means, oh, it's God's will all the time? Like whenever you see like an infomercial on TV or whenever you see this ad pop up on your phone, like, oh, this is the will of God. I need to get the two for one slippers right now. This is the will. No, no, no. See, there are other considerations to keep in mind. The first one is just the first one. Let's look at the second one right now. What's another way that the wise prioritize? Number two, prioritize your long-term future over short-term comfort. Prioritize your long-term future over your short-term comfort. Ask you a question today. Would you like soup? Any of them like soup? I know it's kind of a weird question. You know, I, I've got a friend uh, and he's a really good teammate of ours here at Thrive. His name is James and we've been serving together for over 10 years and he's our translator. One of, he's the leader of our translation team, an amazing translator. In fact, can we give James a big hand this place together right now? So thankful for him. And, uh, you know, I, I remember this is that, uh, you know, after a long day of serving on site, this is like years back, and maybe it's still the case right now. I'd say, so what are you going to do now? He'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go home and make myself a bowl of instant noodle soup. For him, for James, a bowl of instant noodle soup is like the closest thing to heaven. It's like the best reward for him after a long day of hard work. And it's for that reason, I'm thinking that maybe next year for a volunteer appreciation day, we're just going to hand out instant noodles to everybody. How, how does that sound? Does that sound good? But see, that, why do I mention that? It's because in the Bible, there is a guy who loved soup, probably way too much. His name is Esau. See, Genesis 25 29 to 34, why don't you read it with me right now? We're gonna unpack it a little bit. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. Jacob and Esau, if you're wondering, they are twins. Esau's the older twin, Jacob's the younger twin. Esau is an outdoors guy. He's a hunter. Jacob's like a, like he, he's like a homebody. He likes to cook. And Esau, he comes back home from a bad day of hunting. He's frustrated. He's testy. He's sensitive. He's hungry. And, and here's a question. Have you ever made a bad decision while you were hungry? 
Has that happened to you before? Have you been hangry? And so you made a bad decision as a result. And, and see, here's the thing is that verse 30 says, he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he's also called Edom, which means red. 31, Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. What's a birthright? See, back, you gotta understand this. Back in biblical times, a birthright was the most important thing that a firstborn child had is that a firstborn son, if he had a birthright, what that meant is that he would get double the inheritance of any other child in the family. Such that when the parents died, say there's two kids, if you're the firstborn, you get two thirds, the other one gets one third. If there's three kids, you get 50%, the others get 25%. You get a double portion. In fact, that's where the double portion lingo comes from. And so you get a double inheritance. Another one is that you get to be the head of the family. When the parents are dead, you become the one who determines what's gonna happen with the family property. You're gonna be the one who's gonna adjudicate disputes. See, the birthright for Esau, because he was the firstborn, the birthright represented Esau's long-term destiny, his long-term legacy, his long term future. But see, here's the thing. There was someone who wanted to take that birthright away from him. His name is his younger brother, Jacob. And Jacob's name is Deceiver. And he decides, you know what? I want to, you know, you know, harp on and, and capitalize on his weakness right now. And I want to get that birthright from him. How many of us know that as a child of God, you also have a birthright? As a child of God, you have an inheritance. You have a double portion. You have a destiny. You have the identity of a child of God who's not just gonna be a child of God now, but you are a citizen of heaven. You have the hope of eternity. You've got forgiveness of sins. You have the presence of God in your life. You've got a relationship with God through Jesus. You've got a family to belong to. You are so rich because of Jesus, amen? That's who you are. That's your birthright. And part of that birthright, a huge part, is your long-term future. Is the idea that you can live your life not just for yourself, not just for your empty purposes, but you can live your life for for a purpose that's greater than yourself, a purpose that's about glorifying Jesus with your life. And see, that's your birthright, but you also in your life have a deceiver. His name isn't Jacob, his name is Satan. And Satan's goal is to take that long-term future from you by letting you settle for something short-term. And see, look at verse 32. It says, look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? Look at that. He says, I'm about to die. Like he's, he's exaggerating a little bit, isn't he? I, I know it's one day. I know he hasn't eaten all day, but you're not gonna die just from one day. But how many of us know that sometimes when we have unsatisfied appetites, it leads to exaggerated emotions. Don't you find that? Sometimes, you know, you're hungry, you're testy, you're tired, and then everything almost comes at 10 times the normal volume at you. And you're just like, and you get this exaggerated, you know, reaction to all these different things. You're, I'm dying here. You know, I'm being crucified. You know, you have no idea what it's to be crucified. Neither do I. Only Jesus does. See, but we, but we exaggerate because we're just like, we're so into what we're feeling. And then, but Jacob says in verse 33, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So he despised his birthright. See what happened? Esau was so into short-term comfort that he mortgaged. In fact, he sold his long-term future. And he did it for a bowl of soup. He sacrificed his long-term future for some short-term comfort. Have you ever done that before? You know, I, I was once you know, dating a girl, a wonderful, wonderful girl. And about a week into that relationship, I think I knew deep down that this isn't right. It's not that she's not right. Uh, it's not that I'm not, it's just not that we're not really right for one another. It's that she's a wonderful, amazing person. Uh, you know, has a, her own family, praise God, God bless her. Uh, and such. And, and, but it was one of those things where just, just between the two of us, it was just something where, you know, we, we, we weren't, there, there was some key areas of compatibility. We just, we just weren't there. And it was one of those things where, you know, I think I knew pretty early on, but probably a week or two into, you know, dating that, okay, this is not gonna be, this is not gonna, I don't, I don't know if this is gonna work. But see, I didn't wanna go through the pain pain of breaking up. I didn't want to go through the short-term pain of having to go through that difficult part of, you know, like separating, going, okay, this is meant to be. And so, you know what? It was so much more comfortable just to stay together, even though it was, wasn't best for her long-term future or for mine. And it took, you know what? Almost two years before I finally, we finally made the decision to break things off. See, what was happening? I was potentially sacrificing my long-term future and her long-term future just for some short-term comfort. And see, it's not worth it. 
it's not worth it. It causes so much more pain when you try to sacrifice your long-term future for just some short-lived comfort. Here's a question today. Is there a situation in your life today where you're tempted to compromise your long-term future for some short-term comfort? You know, I like Pike's Place, uh, you know, clam chowder from Seattle. Oh, that's good stuff. You know, I like, you know, lobster bisque from Boston. Oh man, you know, it's a good day when my mother-in-law makes us her famous beef noodle soup, her new aroma. It's always a good day. But are those anywhere as important as your long-term future? Not even close. What's the lesson here? Don't give up what you want most for what you just want now. Don't give up what you want the most, your long-term future, for what you just want now, the short-term. See, your long-term future is always more important than your short-term comfort. Is there a way that you are one to compromise your long-term future just for the sake of some short-term comfort? See, your long-term future is about the story you tell your grandkids one day. Your long-term future is about the story your grandkids tell their grandkids about you one day. Your long-term future is what you say before God when you stand before him one day and he asks you, what did you do with what I gave to you? That's your long-term future. And see, whereas Esau, he sacrificed his long-term future for some short-term comfort that didn't even last you know, a day. There is something or someone else you should know who sacrifices short-term comfort for our long-term future. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the absolute opposite. And he was so wise in that he sacrificed short-term for long-term. Look at Hebrews 12, one to three together with me. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down to the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See what happened here is that Jesus had a choice. I could go after short-term comfort and say, God, Father, I don't want to do the cross. Can I not do the cross? Can I, just, can, I, can I just teach? And can I just go on the Jesus tour? I'll just go around the world. I'll go to South America. I'll go to Asia. I'll go to, you know, I'll go to Africa. And we'll just do a tour, a teaching tour, a world tour. We'll have, you know, we'll have, we'll, we'll go on, we'll be on Billboard Music. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll be number one in all the rankings, all these. Where I, can I, can I, can't, I, can't I just do that? Instead of going to the cross, which is literally excruciating, which is about me giving my life away, which is about me dying you know, like, like why, why do I need to, can't, can't I do, Jesus had a choice to make, but Jesus chose to say, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. Jesus said, the long-term future is more important than whatever I experienced short-term. So you look at verse two, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Do you know who the joy is that was set before him? What's the joy that was set before Jesus that caused Jesus to endure the cross? That joy is you. You are Jesus' joy. To you, or to Jesus, you and the idea of you being in relationship with him brought Jesus so much joy that even just the chance, just the chance that you would be with him one day and say yes to him one day, for that, it was, he was like, you know what? That's worth dying for. If, if, you, if you could be with Jesus one day, for Jesus, that is worth giving up everything for. And that's exactly what he did. That's how much you're loved by God. That's how much you mean to God. Jesus gave up his short term for the long-term possibility that you could be with him for now and forever. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. When we were separate from our sins, had no way of reaching God on our own, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could have what we could never earn. That's the forgiveness of God. So that we could be reconciled to God, given a brand new start, have a relationship with God, become children of God, citizens of heaven, and say, because of Jesus Christ, Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection in the grave, the best is yet to come. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He sacrificed the short term for the sake of the long term, because that's what the wise do. The wise prioritize long-term future over short-term comfort. The wise are willing to go through the hard stuff in the short term if it means there'll be comfort for the long term. And see, maybe I have to ask yourself a question is that, you know, at the end of your life, what story do you want to tell? Do you want to tell the story of how you were faithful to your wife or your spouse or, that the, or the story of how you kind of failed and followed your hormones? 
Which one, which one do you want to tell? See, at the end of your life, what you will probably be wishing you did more of is not, oh, I wish I played more video games. Oh, I wish I played, or I wish I watched more Netflix. But probably what you'll be thinking is, man, I wish I used this life for something that meant something real worthwhile and eternal. I wish I, 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 wish I, I spent this time reaching people for Jesus more. I wish I used my talents and my time to serve God and his kingdom, the things that really count, that are, that are really eternal, not just focus on the little short-term stuff. See, it's because the wise prioritize. And the, what the wise do is they prioritize long-term future over short-term comfort. That's the second way that we can learn to prioritize, prioritize today. Is this helpful in this place today? Number three, and we're gonna end today. Third way that the wise prioritize. Prioritize honoring God over following your feelings. Prioritize honoring God over following your feelings. Now, don't get me wrong. Does that mean that feelings are not important? I'm not saying that. Feelings are important. They're just not all important. Is that you don't want, like one of my friends like to say, you don't want the, 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 your feelings, if, if your life is a car, you don't want your feelings to be in the driver's seat driving your life. Uh, you don't want them to be in the trunk being suppressed, but you want them in the back because your feelings are so important. They just can't drive you. And see, here's the thing. Sometimes your feelings can play tricks on you. Is that sometimes we'll feel a certain way about a certain thing, a certain situation, a certain someone, and the next day we'll feel a little bit differently. And, and, and it's one of those things where maybe sometimes you just don't feel like praying. You don't feel like reading your Bible. Sometimes you don't feel like, you know, you, know, you, you, you don't feel like you used to about your spouse. You're just like, I, I don't, we don't, I just don't, it doesn't feel the same anymore. Or, or maybe you're angry at someone, you're, you're grudgy towards someone, and you want to you wanna go after them in, in bitterness and in revenge, even though you know it's not right. What do you do with those kind of feelings? When you know that there's this, this tension between what you want, what you want to do, and what you know God wants you to do. What do you do with that? See, I'm not here to do, say, say, oh, I'm not here to say, oh, just suppress your feelings, pretend they don't exist, deny them. You know, see, what I'm here to do is tell you, what do you do with your difficult feelings? When you know that there's something you want to do that you know is not what God wants you to do, is that you don't ignore it, you don't bottle, it, bottle up inside, you don't pretend it doesn't exist. Here's what you do. Let me give you three suggestions on that. First, give those tough feelings to God. Let the tough feeling bring you to God. Sometimes when I have tough feelings like that, I'll get to a time of actually like kneeling before God. And I'll be like, God, at least this brought me to you. <laughs> God, at least it brought me here because there's no safer place for me to be than right here with you. And see, it's about learning to humble yourself before God and be real with God about how you feel and say, God, I'm struggling with this. Would you please help me? Would you give me your wisdom? Would you give me your perspective? Would you give me your insight? Would you give me your heart on the situation? It's about drawing near to God and giving him that tough feeling. Turn to him and say, give him that tough feeling. Give him that tough feeling. And the second thing is that, you know, God also puts people in our lives. I encourage you, if you, if you really struggle, if it's, it's an ongoing tough feeling that you have, I encourage you to talk to someone about it. If, you know, if it's something where it's, uh, you know, something that you can talk to a small group leader about, I encourage you to do so. Like a, a godly friend in your life, someone you can trust, someone you can talk to who will give you godly advice. That's good. Maybe it's something more serious than that. Maybe you just talk to someone who's a counselor. How many know there's no shame in counseling? So there's no shame in counseling, so much so that God gave us a counselor. His name is the Holy Spirit. And, that, and you know, counseling is just a, 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 is, it can be a very important part of our healing process, of our dealing process when it comes to our feelings. And so talk to someone that you can trust about it. Third is let the word of God renew the way you think. See, wisdom is recognizing that our feelings can change, but God's word doesn't change. And, you know, I want you to remember this today. How we think determines how we feel. And how we feel determines how we act. And so if you're struggling with some tough feelings right now, remember how we think determines how we feel, which determines how we act. If you want to change the way you feel, you need to first change the way you think. That's why Romans 12, one to two says this, says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, it's, hey, what it's saying, what's Paul saying to the, the, the church in Rome? He's saying this, is that, hey, when you struggle with feelings that you know are probably the opposite of what God wants you to do, 
then what you need to do is not just deny your feelings or pretend they don't exist. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to change the way you think because it's only when you change the way you think and you renew your mind with the power of the word of God that you're then able to discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect. That you're able to discern God's best for your life. Amen? It's about allowing the word of God to start changing from the inside out. It's about allowing the word of God to bring health and life to your body, to your heart, to your soul, to your mind, to your thoughts. It's because the word of God is life and health to our whole entire life. And I encourage you, if, you, if you're not in the word of God, you gotta get in the word of God. You gotta read the Bible. You gotta meditate on it. You gotta apply it. Do what it says. Because you'll be surprised just how much life it brings when you actually do what it says. It's about changing the way you think. You know, for example, have you ever really liked someone before, had really strong feelings for that person before? But then you find something, if you find out something about them that is not very savory and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't like that at all. And, and it changes the way you feel about them. See, what happened? Did that person change? No. What changed was the way you think about that person. The thought your thinking changed, therefore your feeling changed. And so if you're struggling with a, 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 of some feelings that you are wrestling with, you know that it's not, this is not a God-honoring feeling. You're like, you know what? Like, I, instead, of, instead of denying it, and also instead of worshiping it, going, oh, then, you know, I'm gonna forget what God says. I'm gonna go with the feeling. Instead of doing either one of the extremes, you give the feeling to God. You wrestle it with you know, someone that you trust. You ask the word of God. You let the word of God renew the way you think. And what's gonna happen is that your thinking will start to change. Your thinking will be renewed and your feelings will follow in suit. See, God does that with feelings we have that sometimes run against his word. He doesn't take away the feeling. What instead, he changes the way we think about the situation and the feeling changes after that. See, here's a question for you today. Is there a situation where you're needing to choose between how to honor God versus following your feelings? Are you needing to choose between, you know, doing what you know is the right thing what you know the word of God tells us to do versus just following your feelings. Maybe it's about, you know, you've got this real strong attraction attraction to someone that you're not married to. And you're like, you know what? Oh, but my feelings. And there's a part you just wants to run off with that person, forget about the person you committed your life to. It's, you know what? It's, it's about saying, you're not, is that God help me with this feeling. You know, maybe you're here and you're like, you know, you've got, you've got all this bitterness in you toward this person and you so want to lash out at that person and do something vengeful against that person. And it's like, but you know, God's saying, you know what? It's, it, that's not going to help you. That's not going to, that's not going to, re- that, that's gonna, not going to get you what you want. You got to honor me and you got to you know, let the word of God, let, let it renew your mind. Maybe it's about something like baptism. You're like, oh, you know what? I know God's word says that I need to get baptized after I receive Jesus. I know it's about, you know, like, you know, following Jesus, but oh, I don't, I just don't, feel like getting baptized. I don't feel like getting wet. Or, you know, I'm good. You know, I, after I receive Jesus, I, I'm good. Like, you know, I, I, I don't feel the need to get baptized. I don't feel it. You know, it's not about feeling it. It's about honoring Jesus with your life. It's about saying, you know what, Jesus, you gave your life for me as a simple way to honor you back. I'm going to get baptized. That's what it is. That's what baptism is. It's a beginning. It's not saying, oh, look at me. I'm this perfect Christian. But it's you saying, you know what, to thank you, Jesus, to show that I really do trust that you did something for me on the cross. I'm going to do the small thing. It's about honoring God over following your feelings. See, Matthew 6, says it this way. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I would suggest that perhaps the most important verse in the whole Bible on priorities is right here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. If you would seek God first, look to him first, follow him first, honor him first, then what's gonna happen? Everything you need is going to be added. And it's not gonna gonna come with the trouble that you would have if you followed your feelings. Here's a lesson for you today. When you prioritize honoring God over following your feelings, when you seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything you need. Proverbs 24, 27 says, finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. You know, when I think about these words from Solomon about getting your fields ready, you know, I, I think about the words of another wise man. His name is Jesus. And Jesus was far wiser than Solomon. He was greater than Solomon. One greater than Solomon is here. His name is Jesus. And Jesus, what did he say about fields? He says one day to his disciples, he says, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. 
And he says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. See, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't just focus on your own home, disciples. Don't just go and build your own kingdom, disciples. Don't just focus on your own comfort, disciples. But realize that there are people out there. There are fields out there that I want you to get to work in. There are fields out there. There are people out there that I want you to reach, that I want you to make a difference in, that I want you to serve, to bring them to me. That's what I want you to do. Don't just focus on your own house, but go and get those fields ready because they're already waiting. They're waiting for you. They're ripe for you. Don't seek your comfort first. Seek my kingdom first, says Jesus. Don't seek your convenience first. Focus on my kingdom first. Don't focus on your house first. Focus on my house first, God says, because when you do so, it's going to actually, you step into the very life that God intended for you, a life that's bigger than yourself. You focus on your own house and that's all you focus on, you're going to miss the whole point of your life. You seek God's kingdom first, he adds everything you need. So which one are you going to prioritize today? Are you going to prioritize the opportunities you only have today or the opportunities that you will probably always have? Are you going to prioritize your long-term future or are you going to prioritize your short-term comfort? Are you going to prioritize honoring God or are you going to prioritize following your feelings? Are you going to prioritize God's kingdom or are you going to prioritize your own convenience? Today, we want to learn to be wise. We want to learn to wisely prioritize our lives. And so with that in mind, I just want to invite you to respond to God together today. If you realize today that you, that this message is for you, then I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me together right now. And because the fact is this, is that we give you these kind of messages, not to give you information, but because we believe that with Jesus, there's transformation. And the first step, you know, maybe you're new to church. Maybe, you know, this is all new to you. And you're kind of like wondering, what, what, what next step can, can I take? Let me tell you, the next step you can take, the next best step you can take is to invite Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. It's this idea that we can never pay for our own sins. No payment will ever be enough. But because Jesus lived the perfect life that met all of God's requirements, and then he died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, God makes forgiveness available to us through what Jesus did for us, such that there was no more debt that we owe to God, such that now God is our Savior, and we have a relationship with him through Jesus. And if you've never received that before, this is the most important gift you could ever receive. And so I encourage you, to, if that's you, you can click the link that's in your chat room. You can scan the QR code that's on your screen and what it'll do, it'll take you to a prayer page. It'll have a little, it's a page with a little prayer on it. And we're gonna pray this prayer. I encourage you to pray. I'm gonna pray it with you so you're not doing it on your own. And this is a simple way to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive your sins. If you wanna do that, I encourage you to click that link right now. Don't worry about your neighbor, it doesn't concern them. But let's do this together as a way to invite Jesus Christ into our lives. What is, oh, you want you to pray this with me right now. You say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer, then according to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. According to the Bible, you are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You now have a relationship with God, not because of the good things you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. And so big congratulations to each and every one of you who prayed that prayer just now. We're so happy for you. And to... You know, if you, to encourage you, we've actually got a gift to give to you. If you scroll down to the end of that page, there's a little gift to give you just to encourage you in this new relationship with God, some resources to help you, encourage you. If you're wondering what your next step is, encourage you to keep coming back to church. Every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family. Secondly, encourage you, if you prayed that prayer just now, is that your next step is to get baptized. Again, baptism is not this big, huge commitment thing where, oh, I have to, I have to be this perfect Christian. No, it's simply about, I need a savior. His name is Jesus and I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I encourage you to go and check out our baptism Q&A at the end of one of our services if you want. Go sign up for baptism at mythrive.info. Finally, today, maybe you're here and you realize that this message is for you. You realize that you have needed to prioritize better than you maybe have been in the recent past. And you realize that maybe there's some ways that you need to adjust your priorities today. 
If that's you, then it, I, I want to just give you an opportunity to pray together right now. With, if, you, if that's you and you realize that there is something you need to change or adjust about the way you prioritize, why don't you lift your hand to God right now? This is, this is between you and God. Don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. But if that's you today and you realize that you need help when it comes to prioritizing wisely, if you realize that you need help when it comes to setting the right priorities, not being sidetracked, not being distracted, then I would just encourage you to lift your hand to God. Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need him today. I want you to start praying to God in your own words. Just respond to God in your own words right now because he's here, he loves you, he's listening. Just start talking to God today and after that, I'll lead you in a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise your name. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Help us, God. Give us wisdom, Father. Thank you, Father. If you could use some help when it comes to prioritizing more wisely, then I just encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, dear God, thank you so much for this time today. Please help me. Give me wisdom to know how to prioritize. Help me, God, to prioritize the opportunities I have only today over the things I could always do later. Help me to prioritize my long-term future over my short-term comfort. Help me to prioritize honoring you above all things and not so much about my feelings. Help me, God, to prioritize your kingdom, not my own. Thank you that when I seek your kingdom first and your righteousness, you'll add everything I need. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. Praise God. Right now, we're going to hand the time to our worship band, lead you in a song. This is just our continual way of worshiping God. Let's respond to God. At the same time, if you call throughout church or home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here, I encourage you to give your faithful tithes, your generous offerings, knowing that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. And so with that in mind, let's give our very best to God. Let's sing, let's give, let's worship, let's serve, and let's give our very best to God. Praise God. you bore so I could live in the freedom you died for and now my life is yours and I will sing of your goodness forevermore worthy is your name Jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your name worthy is your name Jesus you deserve the praise worthy is your So
Father. Would you help me sing out this next part, church? Let's fill this place with our worship. God, a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Oh, come on, there's more than that. Give God all of your praise in this place today. You guys are an amazing church, and we always have such an amazing time with you, and we believe the best is yet to come. Those of you who received Jesus Christ today or recently, encourage you to check out our baptism uh, Q&A happening after this service. Encourage you to sign up for baptism uh, as well. For those of you who have got questions, uh, come see us after the service. We'd love to see you there. And uh, have an amazing rest of your weekend, everybody. God is with us. God is with you. He loves you. We love you. Let me just pray one last prayer for all of you today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you are God who always sets the right priorities for yourself, for your kingdom, for us. Thank you that you call us your priority. So much so that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. So, so much so that you, know, you would be willing to you know, prioritize our future together over your own son's life. We thank you so much for the incredible sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you so much for the incredible power of God. We thank you so much that it's all about you. And with that in mind, we just pray all of your protection, your blessing, your presence, your promise, your wisdom, your comfort, your healing, your guidance, and your Holy Spirit to fill every single person here until we next meet again. We thank you, we give you praise, and say, let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout, let's put together right now. That's it for us here, but our worship continues. We'll see you guys next week for the continuation of our series, Rise Up and Wise Up. Have an amazing week, everybody. God loves you. We love you. We'll see you guys really soon. Take care, everybody. What an amazing time that we get to spend together today. I really, really love the message that Pastor JB shared. Let's make it our priority to learn to prioritize this week. 
All right, if you're new with us today, we want you to feel at home and know that this is a safe place, and we're so glad to have you here. For us, church is so much more than just a Sunday service, and we want you to know that there's a place perfect for you at Thrive. We love to connect with you, and we also have a very nice Thrive stainless steel water bottle for you as a way to thank you for spending your precious time with us today. Simply visit myfight.info and click I'm new here or text the word NEW to 604-285-5770. The gift will be mailed to you if you're joining us online and if you're here with us at Fright Center. Please visit the Welcome Center tent outside the exit to pick up your water bottle. If you pray the prayer to receive Jesus into your life today, a big congratulations to you! We'd be honored if you can share this good news with us because we want to let you know that you are not alone on your faith journey. We've also prepared a special gift to you and a series of videos recorded by Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene to answer some of your questions about Christianity. Simply visit myfight.info and click I want to receive Jesus today or text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. There'll be an online form for you to fill out and the gift will be mailed to you. And again, for those who are with us on site, you can pick up your gift at the Welcome Center tent after service. Our next baptism is happening on Sunday, August 22nd. Baptism is definitely one of the most exciting things we do here at Thrive because there's so much joy and power when we see people stepping out and telling the world about the changes that already happened inside of us when we receive Jesus into our lives. If you are interested in getting baptized or want to learn more about baptism, we want to invite you to the baptism Q&A happening right after the 9.30 or 11.30 service today by the Welcome Center 10 or online over Zoom. You can also visit myfight.info to find out more about baptism. Alright, that's it from me. I look forward to seeing you all again next week online or on site at Fright Center for the episode 7 of the Rise Up and Wise Up message series. Don't forget to pre-register at frightchurch.ca slash reopening if you're joining us on site. Thanks again for being with us. Have a great weekend!